The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. 15, 64, 50, 80, 90, hey, hey! Hey, you guys. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to a very Brady podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Tack, and I'll be your skipper on this episode of the tour. And with me, as always, is my first mate and my little buddy of the show, Jimmy Klein. Hello, hello. Ahoy, matey. I mean, ahoy, mateys. And on this podcast, we celebrate (laughs) classic, iconic TV shows as we break them down one episode at a time. What we do here, Jimmy, as you know, (laughs) we take the episode. We do. We break it down with every fiber of our being. <laughs> and then we roof it so it'll do exactly what we want it to do. Oh, for the listener doll. Is it behind the tree? <laughs> On today's episode, we look at Gilligan's Island, season one, episode four, entitled Goodnight, Sweet Skipper. If you haven't watched the episode, please feel free to stop the podcast and go watch it before continuing. You don't have to, but it might be a hell of a lot more funny if you do. Gilligan's Island is available to stream, well, nowhere, for free anyway. But it is available for purchase on Apple TV and... I almost jumped right into it, Jimmy. Did you see that? <laughs> Man, you're just trying to get through that. You must have a good story to tell. <laughs> and... Amazon Prime! <laughs> or you can do what we did and buy the series DVD box set. Uh, it's yes. available now through our Amazon affiliate link on our website at averybradypodcast.com slash shop. Uh, it's also a great way to support the show. It doesn't cost you any more, but it helps us out a bunch. But one of you lucky people won't have mm-hmm. to buy it here in a little bit. Not tonight, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know what I mean. Right, right, right. Yeah, so we are going to be coming up with the contest very soon, very, very soon. We are. But anyway, how was your week? It was all right. How about yours? Mine was fine, kind of, no. Fine as one kind of chatty, you know what I'm saying? I was getting ready to try to say it, but I didn't remember it. (laughs) How about yours? That's all right. I'm still just sitting up here in Illinois and uh, waiting for a job to show up at my door, but it hasn't I was going to say, yet. working hard or hardly working? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I know, I know right off the bat, everybody's worried and concerned about Mr. Pickle. Oh, um, right, right, right. Yeah, Mr. Pickle's doing way better. Uh, my I don't snake, think you ever said you know. his name. Oh, I didn't say his name. The kids named him. Um the kids and my wife named them. For some reason, they thought Mr. Pickle would be a great name. Okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, he's doing way better now. Um, he actually ate today, so he's feeling a lot better. So, uh, hmm. yeah. So, for all of you That's people good. wondering, I, I know all you, you know, tens of people that wrote in asking about him. He's, he's doing better. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good. That's good. I'm glad, glad to hear. Heck, yeah. The cat's doing pretty good. He thinks my lap is... Is her or she thinks her lap? She thinks my lap is like her personal, <laughs> like sitting spot. So um, nice, yeah. very good, very good. Yeah. So I just forearm swipe her like I'm on Days of Our Lives. I'm like, oh no, I'm teasing. <laughs> 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 
Just <laughs> kidding. That was like on, uh, sorry, like a Friends episode. Because <laughs> on Friends, Joey was supposedly on Days of Our Lives and right. uh, on the show. And uh, which is kind of cool because you have like Days of Our Lives actors occasionally on Friends. And mm-hmm. um, and he was talking about, he goes, yeah, and I, I played Dr. Drake Ramore on the Days of Our Lives. And then Chandler's like, it's not the Days of Our Lives. It's Days <laughs> of Our Lives. And Joey's like, ah, you almost had me with that one. Because <laughs> he's been on the show for like years. <laughs> Did they ever have um, Jennifer Aniston's dad on the show? No, surprisingly. They what? never had him on the show. <laughs> which I don't get. They should have at least had her say a line like, oh my God, that guy, Victor Kiriakis, I freaking hate him, you know, or something. Like, <laughs> no, they didn't. <clears throat> or they say a, he's he's sexy. No, that'd be gross when she said her <laughs> dad was sexy. But uh, Jack had a, like one line on the show. I remember Jack. Um, huh. What's her head? Sammy, who is like, does everything. She's like game to, show. Um, Deidre Hall? No, not Deidre Hall. Sammy, the one that's like our age. Oh, the one that did... Um, um, Biggest Loser? I think so. I think she hosted some show like that. Yeah. Or something Allison like that. Sweeney? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. She did a couple episodes of Friends. That's cool. And a couple other random people. Um, Steve slash Patch was in a background but never had a line. Oh, dang. Was he wearing his <laughs> they patch? They referred to him. Yeah, they referred to him as, man with eye patch, I'm going to be right there. It's kind of like, funny how he can like what? come back to life several times, but they can't fix his damn eye. They can't even get him a prosthetic. It's almost similar to a show we're watching. Hmm. <laughs> but sorry, we're not supposed to rip apart days of our lives. Although that would be a hilarious podcast. <laughs> we're, we're ripping apart. Oh my God, that's our next podcast. <laughs> How much fun would it be to just rip on a day's like uh, just a soap? Yeah. Oh my God. That's oh, amazing. like Marlena would get possessed again. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is probably there's probably a quarter of our audience that knows everything we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's one dude out there, and he's like, "Oh man, yeah. <laughs> like, why are they reminding me of all this crap?" You know, he's in the same boat as us, where our moms made us made us watch it. You know, kind of thing. Yeah, <clears throat> but I mean, like, some of us may have watched it as adulthood in adulthood. No, too. I didn't. <laughs> no, I did. I just want to hear you admit it. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen the show in probably, I don't know, at least Weeks? two decades. <laughs> no. um, that's like, we, we we like to sit around and do quizzes on YouTube, you know, and some of them might be movie quizzes, they might be music quizzes, general knowledge, yeah. whatever, right? <clears throat> and um, I noticed on the music quizzes <laughs> that... 70s era country music I seem to know because my dad used to listen to it when he used to take me to work with him and so like just out of curiosity me and Caleb were sitting there and I did one and I got like eight out of the ten questions right I'm like ah god why do I have all this knowledge in my head about old country music (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's Crystal Gale like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) nobody should even know that name was Crystal Gale country well, I guess I think she was considered country in the seventies. I don't know. And I, I may was... have watched the the Mandrell sisters on TV, but <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, Barbara Mandrell, Barbara Mandrell, and Mandrell, and Mandrell sisters, Mandrell sisters. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> remember Hee Haw? Oh, I remember Hee Haw. Yeah, my mom had a, a crush on Mel Tillis. Not I sure why that is. Exactly. 
<laughs> that was my original gripe in the first place. <clears throat> and she's like, Jimmy, I'm pointing him out to you every single week. <laughs> I only watched that show and I thought even like as a kid watching it, I remember thinking how stupid it was. And right. there might have been adult humor that I didn't get, but um, I only watched it because I felt sorry for the cartoon donkey. <laughs> like if I didn't watch it, it hurt his feelings. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time I used to, well, when I was a kid in kindergarten, I'd come from school and I would watch, um, oh my God, what was that show? It was, came out in like 1979. Um, I can't remember the name. It was a children's show, but they would come right up to the camera and they'd say, Ooh, we're going to look through our magic lens, uh, romper room, romper room. And they'd oh, come up okay. and say, Oh, I'm going to look through my magic lens. And they're like, Ooh, I see, you know, Bobby and I see, you know, Greg <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And I, I used to get really close to the TV cause I want her to see me. Right. Right. And, and my brother Ken, trying to be funny, <laughs> ha ha, walks between me and the TV, and the bitch on TV is like, and I see Kenny, and I'm like, you dick. <laughs> I was so pissed at him for years. <laughs> he just he looked at him, you son of a bitch. <laughs> that was my chance. That's when my portal was open, asshole. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> don't worry. So, they never said my name either. So fuck romper room. <laughs> I don't remember romper room that much. I remember like the electric company. I remember um, obviously Sesame Street, Mister Rogers. Right. Um, do you remember um, today's special mm-hmm. on Nickelodeon? I remember today's special. <laughs> that was the one with the today's with the special. the mannequin guy that he would only come yeah. to life. Yeah. After the storm yeah, closed. Do you remember? Um, well, it was his hat. Every time he had his hat on. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, I'm thinking of Mannequin. Um, what mm. was that? The, that other one uh, with uh, Gary Gnu? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, good news is good, 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 good news without Gary, Gary Gnu. Yeah. That was yeah, yeah. Great Space Coaster. Well, that's what it was, yeah. Whoa. It's oh, I got on board every day. <laughs> Off we go. Yeah. I said yeah. that to my son the other I've, day. I flew fast and free every day, Doug. What's that? <laughs> the other day I said that to my son because my son likes to like look up news and he like tells me like what's going on in the world and we discuss. And he goes, let me check news today. And he goes, hmm, guess there's nothing really. And I said, hey, no good news is good good news by Gary Gnu. And he was like, what? And I was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. So I meant uh, I. I met a new family member today, as weird as that is. You, did somebody um, have a baby? No. Do you know my brother, oh. Rick? Uh-huh. I mean, you knew my brother, Rick. Um, right. Apparently, he had a, a biological son. Okay. Um, and I, and I, I met him on Friday. Oh, like physically in person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At Kelly's house. Oh, how'd that he, go? Well, he promptly asked me for money and I started doing heroin. No, I'm teasing. I'm joking. Um, you start like <laughs> rapping. Yeah, he started making rhymes that didn't rhyme. Um, no, he seemed like a totally cool, like, you know, went to college to work on um, like Cummins diesel engines, which I immediately giggled at the name. Um, but he seemed like a really nice guy, a really super cool guy. So That's cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. So I spent a little bit of time with my family. And that was on what day? Friday. Friday, oh, because Ron was telling me about um, they 
He said that, uh, yeah, Jimmy was spending time with family or something. Like, I, don't, I haven't yeah. talked to Jimmy much at all in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And he never said anything to me. So I thought maybe it was just an excuse for Ron. <laughs> it's like, so funny. Like, he didn't say anything to me, Ron. Hmm. That <laughs> like, means you're a no, he liar. Didn't. No, he didn't. He didn't. He did not spend time <laughs> with family. Like, no, he's lying to you. Because well, he like, want to help you move stuff. <laughs> my daughter reminds me of my sister a lot. And um, <clears throat> and I've told Kelly that for a while. I was like, man, Kelly reminds me of you so much. And the two of them got to hang out because they have stuff in common. Shocking. And um, mm. and it, like Kelly texts me the next, day, the next day and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> she's like, we have the same laugh. We have the same sense of humor. I'm like, I know. That's what I've been <laughs> saying. And Kayla said the same thing. I was like, do you understand like now why Kelly reminds you of you? And her eyes got big. She's like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> she's like, we have the same laugh. We have the same sense of humor. I'm like. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> do you understand why I give you so much shit and I don't love you as much as I do, Jake? <laughs> now, now you know you why I just randomly hit you upside the head? No. <laughs> um, so Kelly's like, can, can Caitlin spend the night this weekend? <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was fun. That was interesting. That's good. 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 That was interesting. All right. Well, with that. Man. Let's take our first break. I am and when exhausted. We come back, yes. I know. And uh, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to really break this down and get into it. Okay. 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 Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <sighs> Something wrong, Tech? Oh, nothing, Jimmy. Halloween is coming up, and my son says he's too old for trick-or-treating. But I still want to dress up. Okay. Have you checked out HalloweenCostumes.com yet? What's that? What do you mean, what's that? We went over this last year. We did? Yes, HalloweenCostumes.com. It has the biggest and best selection of Halloween costumes, accessories, and decorations. Mm, No, but I don't recall. The biggest and best selection means over 10,000 costumes from your favorite pop culture properties in comics, video games, movies, and television. I, I, I got nothing. The best selection means costumes that fit anyone. Parents, kids, couples, groups, plus size. Ooh. Even sexy costumes. Ooh la la. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, that. Now you got it. Oh, and you know the Retro Network is all about them ugly, ugly Halloween, Halloween sweaters. sweaters. Yeah, I remember now. But I want something new. They have stuff that's new. They got brand new designs for 2022. See, look. Oh wow, like Beetlejuice, Trick or Treat, and Hocus Pocus. Those weren't there last year. And Marty McFly, Ghostbusters, and Mr. Potato Head. Those weren't there last year either. I know, right? So, do you think they have like sexy Hocus Pocus? I, I don't. I don't know. Maybe, dude. That's gonna get me so much candy. My son is gonna be peanut butter and jealous, and I'm not sharing any of it. What, what was that? N- nothing. So click on over to HalloweenCostumes.com using the promo code link in today's show notes and save 20% off your entire order now through October 31st, 2022. HalloweenCostumes.com, the only place you need to shop this Halloween season. So do they have like sexy Mr. Potato Head? What is wrong with you?
are uh, back. Ooh, man. All right. That was a good break. That was, that was a good break. break. I mean, we had naps. We, we spooned all kinds of stuff. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just I wish we could have done it more like in person than like through like FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not really the same because like my laptop was kind of cold. And when it hit my belly, I was like, oh, you know, like that kind of thing. So it wasn't really <laughs> quite the same. But it's okay. All right. So <laughs> we got Gilligan's Island, the season one, episode four, entitled Good Night, Sweet Skipper. Do you know what that's a re- Oh, actually, or IMDb might tell us what it's from. Oh, it does. Okay. Um, from Shanae. Mm-hmm. So facts about the episode. No, it's, first. It's, it's part of a Sean and song, but it was also Shakespeare. <coughs> yeah, Shakespeare. Hamlet. Mm-hmm. Um, Horatio specifically says that line. It's like the last line in the whole play. Ooh. And that's the part I played when I was in Hamlet. But anyway. Neato. Yeah. Uh, first aired on October 17th, 1964. Dang. It was written by, yeah, written by Dick Conway and Roland McLean. Roland McLean sounds like, like an action movie star. Starring <laughs> Roland McLean. You know what I mean? As the... Um, the Dazzler? I don't know. <laughs> Dazzler. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny. Um, so directed by, get this, Ida Lupino. It's a woman director. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, wow, those okay. are rare even like That's these days. That's very forward thinking of them. Yeah, especially for the 60s. Hmm. It's impressive even today. It is. Like, <clears throat> name, name a really good woman director. Um, well, the, the chick from Lorena Shirley, I can't remember her name is. Yeah, Penny Marshall, yeah. yeah. Penny That's Marshall, the same yeah. name I thought of, too. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was pretty much it. Um, <laughs> there was a famous director his like, granddaughter directs. I can't remember what her name is. Um, I'm sure there's tons of really good female done, directors like, out there. He like directed like The Godfather or something like that? Didn't his granddaughter oh. direct? Um, oh, uh, uh. Yeah. I, th- I could have sworn she did. You're talking about related to Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember his name. And his daughter is, um, same last name as his. Yeah, it's either his daughter or granddaughter. But she's a good director. Yeah. And also the girl, Amy something, I can't remember what her last name is. Um, she directed um, Wayne's World. Mm. I mean, a lot okay. of people don't consider that good directing. But look how much like of our slang came from that movie. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for so. sure. All right. So according to IMDb, it says, uh, many viewers have questioned why the brilliant professor never tried to turn the radio into a transmitter. In this episode, however, the professor not only admits that he does not know how to do it, but that he did not even know it was possible. <laughs> uh, the professor is actually correct that a receiver radio cannot be turned into a transmitter without the proper parts, which the castaways do not have. So it is impossible. Mm. Damn. So, uh, Good Night, Sweet Skipper. The title comes from Shakespeare play Hamlet. Uh, now cracks the noble heart. Good night, sweet prince. Flights mm-hmm. of angels sing thee to thy rest. Aww, so, yeah. so they're calling a skipper prince. Aww. Mm-hmm. It's toast the dorbs. <laughs> also, uh, the skipper has a sleepwalking flashback to his Navy days in World War II, where it is learned he participated in the Guadal- 
Guadalcanal campaign. This military campaign involved the U.S. Navy and USMC fighting Imperial Japanese forces and was fought between August 7th, 1942 and February 9th, 1943 on and around the island of Guadalcanal in the Pacific Theater of Operations. It was the first major offensive offensive by Allied forces against the Empire of Japan. Alan Hale Jr. served in the U.S. Coast Guard during World War II. Wow, okay. So there was some truth to that. Yeah. Very nice. <clears throat> All right. So you ready to fade in? I am ready to fade in. All right. We fade in. Scene one. Night falls on the island. Everyone is fast asleep in their huts. All is quiet until suddenly a hut door opens. Someone steps out of it and wanders around the beach. The camera pans up and it is revealed that it's the skipper. His arms are outstretched in front of him, which only means that he's sleepwalking. <laughs> he mumbles, Guadalcan or or he could be a zombie too, but I don't think yeah, that's that what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, yeah. He mumbles, Guadalcanal. And continues walking along the beach. <laughs> what? So if you have a dream where you're on board your sub. Yeah. Are you like USS Maine? <laughs> <laughs> Atlantic Ocean. Like, is that what you do? Like, sorry, that was just uh -huh. ridiculous. Um, no, my first note is, holy shit, Captain Morgan turned to a zombie. <laughs> or he's running from something in a cartoon really slowly. Um <laughs> So do you, I don't think people have their eyes open when they sleepwalk. They do. Like in real life? Like, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. They do. You have your eyes open when you sleepwalk. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. Um, yeah. My next note is, did they never watch Looney Tunes? Cause every, all the Looney Tune cartoons, man, like their eyes were closed. Just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, how does the door close by itself? It's like it's on a spring. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Hmm. Huh. Maybe. I wish they weren't liars. <laughs> just springs closed by itself you know like a liar so. <laughs> scene two meanwhile inside the hut gilligan is fast asleep and the skipper is outside reporting war events aloud sub chaser 307 calling squadron command do you read me come in squadron command come in we are under heavy attack awaiting your instructions by this time gilligan is now awake and is hearing the skipper's reports the skipper goes on, bandits at 10 o'clock, look out, hit the deck. Gilligan hears this and jumps out of his sack Whoa! and hits mm -hmm. the deck. He looks around for an enemy fire. The skipper goes on, that was a close one. Gilligan says to himself, you're telling me. The skipper then says, are you okay, Lieutenant? Gilligan stands up and answers, yeah. Then questions, Lieutenant? Skipper? Gilligan now tries to walk away, but gets his face all caught up in the skipper's sack. <laughs> he frees himself and steps outside. <laughs> it's quite a talent to do <laughs> so yeah, far away. <laughs> um, how did Gilligan hear him so well when he's all the way outside by the water? It sounded like he was in the same hut. I don't know. It's not that far away. I think it's only like, I mean, we watched him walk out there. Yeah, I guess. But when they show the wide shot, it looks pretty far. Hmm. Scene three. Outside the hut, we see the skipper standing near the beach and continuing to make reports. Transmitter's been knocked out, sir. We'll have to convert the receiver. Harris, give me the radio manual. 
Gilligan sees this and walks out to join the skipper. Once Gilligan arrives at the skipper's position, he is reading the invisible radio manual. He says, Connect remaining circuits by plugging into a radio frequency located at the right side of the antenna lead. He shuts his manual and reports, Ready to convert the radio transmitter, Lieutenant? Aye, aye, sir. Gilligan watches in awe and confusion. Skipper continues, Evans, hold this book. He hands off the invisible manual to an invisible Evans. Gilligan now in awe begins to wave his hand in front of the skipper's face to see if he notices. He does not. No response. The skipper continues, Give me a screwdriver, Ferguson. Quick, man, a screwdriver. The skipper <laughs> reaches out and grabs a hold of Gilligan's penis. No. <laughs> skipper reaches out and grabs a hold of Gilligan's finger and uses it as a screwdriver to do the, the radio conversion. He throws away the, quote, screwdriver and says, Now give me the wire cutters. Wire cutters. Gilligan holds two fingers out in front of the skipper, and he grabs them to use them as wire cutters. Once the wires are cut, he reports, Ready to transmit, sir. After he says this, the skipper looks up into the sky and reports, Die bombers at 12 o'clock. Jump, men. Swim for your lives. Gilligan's training and muscle memory kick in, and he says, Aye, aye, sir, and jumps into the lagoon without thinking about it. As Gilligan is swimming away to safety from the dive bombers, Skipper puts his arms out in front of him again and wanders back to the hut. Mm. Mm. So all that noise and it didn't wake up the Skipper. <laughs> Guess not. So we'll have to remember that later on. <laughs> um, sounds like the, the Skipper has some PTSD issues, man. Holy shit. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely PTSD. I mean, on one hand, I know it's supposed to be funny, but... Maybe that shit was funny to people that were in World War II, but I I didn't find it funny. I was I felt kind of bad for him. Yeah, I mean that's probably why he drinks so much. Just saying, <laughs> yeah, you're probably not wrong. Um, I noticed that this was like a day for night swap. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> Especially like because when uh, the skipper was like looking up into this, like talking to somebody up higher, like literally like up higher, um, like yeah. he was like squinting because you know the sun was in his eyes man that sun's <laughs> bright Army man moon that is moon bright. is bright <laughs> oh yeah that's funny i read a report that tangent but i read a report that um any time now that beetlejuice is supposed to go supernova and they said if that happens it's going to be yeah. as bright as a full moon like Damn. permanently yeah permanently well, I mean, for the rest of our lives, at least. Right, right. <laughs> well, not permanently, only for the next, you know, 20,000 years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> Scene four. Gilligan gets out of the lagoon and goes back inside the hut, only to find the skipper fast asleep. He walks over to him in wonderment, but his hat drips water all over skipper's face. Sure. That was water. Okay. <laughs> um, he wakes up and yells, Gilligan. You're soaking wet. Gilligan says, I know the lagoon's full of water. <laughs> the skipper rolls his eyes and asks, what are you doing in the lagoon? Gilligan says, you pushed me overboard when the dive bombers came at us. The skipper sits up a little and asks, what dive bombers? Gilligan says, the dive bombers you were dreaming about. I just gave you some tools to fix the radio. The skipper asks, tools? <laughs> no matter what he says, he's like, what? So, <laughs> I'm going to pick a random word in your last sentence and question it. <laughs> Gilligan says, yeah. Skipper's like, yeah. No. 
He holds up his fingers and says, this screwdriver and these pair of wire cutters and holds up two fingers. (laughs) Those two fingers. He goes on. You had a real nightmare out there. The skipper rolls his eyes again and says, Gilligan, I have not been out of my hammock. You've been walking in your sleep. Gilligan asks, I have? The skipper says, certainly. And when you fell in the water, it woke you up. Gilligan says, oh, is that what happened? Gosh, I could have sworn it was the other way around. The skipper (laughs) says, I'm afraid not. Now, why don't you get back to sleep and no more dive bombers tonight? (laughs) Sorry. I'm saying sack. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Gilligan simply says, yes, sir. Skipper jests about Gilligan and says, oh, Gilligan. You better wipe those wire cutters off before they get rusty. (laughs) Gilligan nods in agreement and then looks back at the skipper a little confused and then wipes his two fingers. His two finger wire cutters off on his nipple. (laughs) Nipple. They made all the yelling and nobody in other huts and other hurts. Other huts heard it like Gilligan heard him in his hut plain as day. Sound like he was in the same room. (laughs) <laughs> right. but nobody else heard all the yelling and splashing and commotion in their own nuts. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just thought yeah. that was kind of strange. Well, I think they might be further away. I think, I don't, I don't know. No, there's other huts like right there. Exactly. Yeah. Really good, so. yeah. I don't know. Um, also, um, did you know too, like, well, being in submarines, like you can't sleepwalk. Like that's considered a, um, like it'll get you kicked out of submarines. Oh, 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 okay. So what? Medically, they check you to see if you sleepwalk or something, or what? Or they just ask? Oh, no, no. Well, I, I mean, I guess they ask. I mean, they can't really like check it. But if they they witness it or whatever, like then you have, you'll be disqualified submarines, um, mm. and you'll be sent to like the service navy or whatever. But I don't think it's very common to sleepwalk. I don't think it is either. I think kids do it more often than adults. But I think certain types of medication can make you sleepwalk, but. I don't, know. I don't think I had. I, th- I feel like there was a story when I did once when I was a kid, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. Scene five. The next day, the skipper is sitting with the professor at a table listening to the radio. Somehow still has power. Skipper is reading <laughs> charts as the radio says, this is Alice McNeil signing off as I start the last leg of my around the world flight. Open up that golden gate because San Francisco, here I come. The professor switches off the radio. Skipper gets excited. He stands up, looks at the sky and says, Professor, according to my new calculations, she should be passing right over our island. Mm. The professor now stands up, watches the skies and says, there must be some way we can contact her. Skipper asks, but how? Skipper thinks for a second and says, I've got it. What we need is a big roaring fire. The professor, seeing where this is going, says, yes. (laughs) Gillian, now passing by, carrying a bag over his shoulder, overhears this, stops and asks, a big roaring fire on a hot day like this? The professor says, a signal fire, Gillian. There's a very good chance that woman flyer will pass right over our island. Gillian, in shock, drops the bag and says, Skipper, we're saved! We're saved! The skipper says, well, we're not saved yet, Gilligan. We've got to figure out some way to attract her attention. Gilligan says, I know. I'll take off my shirt, jump and yell and wave it. The skipper stops him and says, Gilligan, she'll be passing over at 5,000 feet. How do you suppose she'll see you? 
Gilligan suggests, I'll stand on your shoulders. <laughs> Skipper now patronizing Gilligan, you know, looks at the professor and is like, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Gilligan. That's very good. Gilligan says, I've got an even better idea, Skipper. We'll build a human tower. Skipper repeats, a human tower. Gilligan goes on, you'll be on the bottom. Professor stands on you. Mr. Howe stands on him. I stand on Mr. Howe. The skipper takes over. Mrs. Howell will stand on your shoulders. Ginger will stand on hers. And we'll have Marianne at the top. Gilligan says, no, you dumb shit. I think Ginger ought to be on the top. Oh, yeah. Skipper asks, why? Oh, <laughs> Gilligan says, because she's wearing high heels. <laughs> <laughs> the professor sighs and says, I think the signal fire is the best bet, Gilligan. Professor looks at the sky and says, although I don't know if she'll be able to see through that nimbus cumuli. And then all of a sudden, Harry Potter shows up with his wand at the ready and shouts back, Palatio Scoliosis. (laughs) (laughs) Or what was the one you wanted? Felicio Cunnilingus. (laughs) Felicio Cunnilingus. Oh, sorry, so I still stupid. like I still like flatulent Pellegrino. Oh, it's just funny to me. Ambidextrous so hypochondriac. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> Write us in with your Harry Potter spells. <laughs> anyway, then Gilligan looks up and says, "Yeah, and all those clouds are in the way too." Skipper jump. <laughs> I said jump. He <laughs> jump size. <laughs> that sounds like part of a hip hop dance. <laughs> he jump and he <laughs> like that he video of that, of that lady trying to teach hip hop. Hip hop. Remember that video? Uh, yes. Right there. Uh, every time. <laughs> and then you elbow out, you jump, you (laughs) sigh and then you lift one eyebrow (laughs) and then you shrug. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, The skipper... Is he behind the tree? (laughs) Sorry. The skipper just sighs and says, well, we better do something pretty quick. No telling how soon she might pass over. Gilligan says, if I only could remember how you fixed the radio last night. The professor asks, what radio? Gilligan says, the one in the subchaser in my nightmare. We were under heavy enemy attack and the transmitter was knocked out. Mm. Skipper asks, subchaser? Enemy attack? Nightmare? (laughs) (laughs) Island? (laughs) Three-hour tour? (laughs) Transmitter? <laughs> he doesn't say that. transmitter was knocked out. <laughs> I forgot to read that one. Gillian says, Don't you remember, Skipper? I told you all about it in the hut last night. He looks at the professor and says, I thought he was walking in his sleep, but it turned out he was walking in my sleep. <laughs> the skipper's eyes light up and asks, What else happened? Gillian thinks for a moment and says, I don't know. The whole thing's kind of hazy today. The whole nightmare seems like a dream. Skipper says, Gilligan, little buddy, you said I fixed the radio. How did I do it? Gilligan says, you turned it into a transmitter. Mm. Skipper thinks about it for a moment, 
then he has a realization and he says, I remember it happened at Guadalcanal. Gilligan says, no, it happened over there by the lagoon. (laughs) (laughs) The skipper ignores Gilligan and tells a sea story. We're about a mile offshore. The transmitter got hit. We were strafed by enemy fire. I had to do something fast. Gilligan cuts in. Skipper, let me tell it. It was my dream. (laughs) Professor Hess, you mean it's possible to convert a radio into a transmitter? Skipper says, sure, it's simple. All you need is a screwdriver and a pair of wire cutters. (laughs) Gilligan holds up his two fingers and says, got them right here, sir. (laughs) Skipper goes on. It's a simple procedure. It's just a matter of reversing the circuits by... uh, Skipper leans over to Gilligan and desperately asks, Gilligan, how did I do it? Gilligan says, I don't know. The skipper says, but you must have seen something. Gilligan says, I didn't even see the dive bombers. And next thing I know, I was swimming for my life. (laughs) The professor puts the heat back on the skipper as he says, think, skipper, come on, think. How did you convert the radio? Skipper thinks for a moment and says, oh, I don't remember. Gilligan says, I know, I'll go back to sleep and get on the boat and I know, I'll go back to sleep and get on the boat a little earlier this time. (laughs) Skipper says, please, Gilligan, that was my dream last night, not yours. Gilligan says, but you told me, the skipper interrupts and says, I know what I told you, but I was wrong. Looks like I owe you an apology, little buddy. Gilligan sheepishly says, forget it, Skipper. If you hadn't pushed me overboard, I would have been blown to bits. (laughs) Skipper (laughs) thinks a little harder and says something to do with a main coil. He continues to try and remember. Hmm. So apparently Captain Morgan's an electronic expert now. That's new. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Also, there's a huge, I would think that there's a huge difference between a military grade radio and the radio there you're trying to use. Because aren't they talking about that little tiny radio, that little battery power one? Whatever it is that they're using, yeah. Well, they have, like... Remember at the end, they had the bigger one. Yeah. I don't think that's military gray, though. I don't know. Probably Like, not. I doubt it's the same... It happened to be the same radio he used 20 years I ago in it. World War II. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> How does the radio still have power? I just don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. Really, really... They're probably... It's their Duracells. That's what it is. I guess. It's the copper top, man. <laughs> um, Let's be it. Scene six. Later, the skipper lies in his sack in his Mm -hmm. hut. (laughs) Just think if they made pizza, that'd be a pizza hut. (laughs) The professor and Gilligan stand over him. The skipper says, it's no use. I can't fall asleep with you watching. It's not like I'm getting flares or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Had to bring that back. Poor skipper can't do that anymore exactly yeah. <laughs> he was all proud of himself he's like watch this <laughs> douche anyways the professor says all right skipper you try it on your own gilligan adds yes yeah, skipper just concentrate on getting to sleep leave the worrying to us the only thing you have to worry about is getting to sleep the skipper says thanks gilligan gilligan goes on you've got seven lives depending on you sir That's a big responsibility for one man. Unless you go to sleep, Skipper, you won't walk in your sleep. Then we can't change the radio into a transmitter. So relax and go to sleep. (laughs) The professor stares at Gilligan and simply says, let's go, Gilligan. As they both exit, 
Gilligan begins to tiptoe out. The skipper stops him and says, you don't have to tiptoe, Gilligan. I'm not asleep. I'm not asleep yet. Gilligan steps closer and says, well, you better hurry, sir. That woman's going to be flying over any time. The skipper, losing patience, says, I'm doing the best I can. Gilligan says, I know you are. So stop thinking about the trouble we're in. You'll never get to sleep with that on your mind. Gilligan then <laughs> exits the hut. <laughs> no pressure. So why do they feel like they got to watch him go to sleep? It's like the flares all over again. They're going to know when he's sleepwalking. Like, <laughs> no. Just go, why don't you go lay down and we'll hang out out here. Yeah, like, it's, it's not like he's jerking off. Like I sit there and watch. I mean, <laughs> weirdos. <laughs> scene seven. It's, whoa, scene Outside what? the hut. Oh, so, whoa, wow. Scene seven. There you go. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. That was our mistake last week. I apologize <laughs> last week. I, I think we dropped the ball there. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody at home's like, well, fuck, I guess I'm not listening anymore. <laughs> Outside the hut, the professor watches the skies. Gilligan exits the skipper's hut and says, I sure hope he gets to sleep. The professor says, really? You think so? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no. <laughs> the professor says, he will if he's left alone. Gilligan, I want you to stand guard. Make sure nobody gets in there and disturbs the skipper. Gilligan says, right, nobody. The professor points and says, that includes you. Gilligan says, especially me. I'm the worst of the whole bunch. <laughs> the professor stretches and says, I'm going to go lie down. I'm beat. The professor walks off to go to his hut. Gilligan turns around and immediately goes right back into the skipper's hut. As he walks in, he peeks to see if the skipper is asleep yet. Skipper, not quite asleep yet, hears him and turns to look. Gilligan turns around and runs out of the hut. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. They could have a plane flying over it at any time. Yeah. And that's when the professor decides to go take a fucking nap. <laughs> right. Like, they still have a backup plan of doing, like, a signal fire. Right. Like, is that ready to go? Like, maybe we should get that ready to go. He's know? like, man... Well, uh, I guess I'll just take a nap and see if that plane flies. Let me know if the plane flies over. Let me know if we could have been rescued. Um, <laughs> let's let's rely just on the captain sleepwalking <laughs> and remembering a procedure that he did 20 years ago that may or may not work. Exactly. <laughs> so what did Gilligan go back in the hut for? Like, what was the purpose of that? Just to peek in and see if he was asleep. But yet. it's only been a few minutes. Like, he going to be asleep that fast? <laughs> well, if it was me, I would have been asleep that fast. Mm -hmm. I, I go to sleep very quickly. Hmm. How do you know? It's my superpower. Because I know. Plus, I've had uh, girlfriends tell me that, too. That's like that's right up there with saying, I don't snore. Really? <laughs> How do you oh, know no, you're I not snore. snoring? Nobody knows whether they snore or not. <clears throat> well, if you live alone, you'll never know. But Exactly. Yeah, I've had girlfriends tell me, like, it's funny. Like, I've timed you. Like, <laughs> from the moment you say, I'm going to sleep now, night-night. And the time you actually sleep, she's like... Last night, eight seconds, you were out. <laughs> I was like, that's, yeah, that's my superpower. I can go to sleep anytime. Yeah. Staying asleep is my weakness, though. Mine used to time me with something else. I never hit eight seconds. 12, <laughs> though, but not eight. So. My God. But that's something totally different. That's, you know. <laughs> right. So scene eight. A few moments later, Gilligan has now made a sign that reads, quiet, do not disturb. He begins to hang it on the outside of the skipper's hut. 
He pulls out a hammer, and just as he's about to hit the nail, the professor stops. Nope. The professor steps out of Skipper's hut and stops him. Why was the professor inside the Skipper's hut? Sorry. Who knows? (laughs) He whispers to Gilligan, shh, no noise, Gilligan. The Skipper's almost asleep. Gilligan lights up with the good news. Hmm. Not my only note is again with this hut. Like, why do they? Why won't they leave the poor man alone and let him go to sleep? <laughs> God, go get that signal fire ready there. Like professor. when I take a nap, my wife isn't in there every eight seconds. Going, are you sleeping? Like, just leave him alone. <laughs> Scene nine. As they both enter the skipper's hut, we see Ginger <laughs> rocking the skipper's sack back and forth in order for him to relax and to go to sleep. Oh, nice. Ginger begins to sing Rockabye Baby to him, all while still with her hand on a sack and moving it back and forth. <laughs> Marianne seems to be taking notes of some kind, I assume for the professor, maybe? I, uh, I have no idea. That's why. a good point, yeah. Maybe she's trying to get better ways to, like, move a sack, maybe? Maybe. Maybe she's trying to rock a sack. and <laughs> Probably trying to rock Gilligan's sack, because she, like, mm-hmm. she was all into him last week, so... Mm-hmm. As Ginger continues to sing, Gilligan wants to sing along too and belts out, Cradle and all. Skipper's eyes shoot open. Everyone gives Gilligan the look as the professor sighs and buries his face in his hands. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, the Skipper can rest his own head on his own sack. That's impressive. And then go to sleep <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's impressive. That's kind of nice that. That ginger is like moving a sack back for it to relax. It is, yeah. That would definitely work on me 100%. Yeah? Hmm, okay. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. My arm got tired. Scene <laughs> 10. The next morning or, or later that day, I don't know, the professor sits outside <laughs> listening to the radio. Because that's a good idea. Let's waste the batteries on you <laughs> listening to the radio. Along with Gilligan and the skipper. The woman pilot reports, this is Alice McNeil and the vagabond lady saying, Aloha Nut. What? Aloha um, Nut? I think that's like the name of her plane or something. Aloha oh, okay. Nut. Aloha Nut to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm ahead of my ETA. This is vagabond lady signing off. Over and out. The professor says, The signal's coming in a lot stronger now. I've got a feeling she's closer than we thought. The skipper, lying on a log, says to Gilligan, Please, Gilligan, just a little slower. As Gilligan waves a palm frond over him to cool him off so he can rest. Gilligan says, Skipper, how about a nice warm cup of coconut milk to make you sleep? The skipper says, I've had 34 of those already. I never want to see another coconut. Plus, I'm not even drunk. No, tease him. Um, <laughs> or a lamb chop. Shot of whiskey would be nice. <laughs> Gilligan and Confusion asks, a lamb chop? The skipper says, I also counted 19,000 sheep today. The skipper sits up and says, I've got to be alone with my thoughts. The skipper then leaves. Hmm. Yeah, my only thought says, perhaps, just a shot in the dark, maybe he's not tired. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't feel like sleeping. How about that? Maybe. Scene 11. After the skipper leaves, the professor says to Gilligan, that poor man is a nervous wreck. Gilligan says, he's all worn out from trying to get to sleep. 
What he needs is something to make him relax. Calm him mm-hmm. down. Now we're talking. The professor yeah. says, I wish we had some tranquilizers. <laughs> Gilligan gets excited and says, yeah, tranquilizers. He then stops, thinks for a second and says, no, that's no good. We don't even have prescription. <laughs> the professor thinks for a moment and then says, wait a minute. Mr. Howell may have some. He's always taking pills for something or the other. Gilligan gets excited and says, yeah, I'll go ask him. And he runs off. So I don't understand. Why would they think that he would just give up medication he has? Like, what if he needs that to, to survive? Like, what if that's his medication? <laughs> like, Right. But I mean, you don't need tranquilizers, you know. Well, um, it depends on what kind yeah. of tranquilizers you're taking and what you're taking them for. I suppose. So my thought is, like, they have meds on the island and they let Mr. Howell just take them whenever and however many he wants. I would have thought that, like, they would say, like, okay, who has meds and what do they have? Let's gather them all together and then, you know, like have a professor like issue them out to who needs them kind yeah, of a thing. Fuck that. I'd be like, nope. If it's Tylenol or aspirin or something, oh, totally 100%. Right, but right. If it's that's like, what I'm saying. But I mean, if it's specific meds for like his heart condition, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. you can have those, but right. like other stuff that other people can use too. Like, let's get it all together, you know? Hmm. Hmm. Of course, there's only three-hour tours. So exactly. Scene 12. Over at Howell Manor, the Howells sit outside as Mrs. Howell sips on a pineapple drink. Mrs. Howell says, Thurston, is there something bothering you? Mr. Howell says, yes. As a matter of fact, there is, Lovey. Lovey asks, what is it? Mr. Howell says, well, after we're rescued... I must dash down to Argentina to get a new string of polo ponies. Mrs. Howell adds, well, if we do return on time for the matches, could you just use the ones we have? Mr. Howell says, well, I suppose I could. It's just that I hate to ride a used polo pony. Their coat coat is so shiny and sometimes, but Mrs. Howell, nope. But Mr. Howell is cut off by Gilligan walking up. Mrs. Howell says, hello, Gilligan. Gilligan greets them and asks, Mr. Howell, do you have any tranquilizers? Mr. Howell says, of course I do, Gilligan. Every big businessman uses um, It makes him calm enough so he can take the rest of the pills. (laughs) Gilligan asks, could I borrow some? Please, it's very important. Mr. Howell says, oh, yes, yes. They're in my pill case. Mrs. Howell says, you stay here, darling, and you relax. I'll go get them. As Mrs. Howell walks off, Mr. Howell says, now there goes a lovely lady. Gilligan takes a seat next to Mr. Howell as Mr. Howell says, Gilligan, my boy, let me tell you something. Look behind every successful man and you will find a woman. Gilligan says, yes, sir. Mr. Howell adds, just make sure his wife doesn't find her. <laughs> Wait a minute, we gotta do it. <laughs> Hi-yo! Um, Gilligan just stares blankly at him. Mr. Howell sees he's not getting it, rolls his eyes and says, it's a, it's a marriage joke. <laughs> hmm. <sighs> Marley joke says, ha, Mr. Howell cheats on his wife. Ha <laughs> ha. Hilarious. Well, he's not doing it now, so. No, he's not doing Mm. it now. Well, he might be. You never know. Mm. Never know. Oh, yeah. Especially with the episode coming up, there's some questionable things going on. Two other chicks there. I'm just saying. Mm. He's got a lot of money. (laughs) 
Scene 13. Lovey returns with Mr. Howe's briefcase-sized pill case. She sets it down, and Mr. Howe opens it up. Inside, we see many, many bottles of different pills and, quote, medications, along with thousands of dollars in stacked cash. (laughs) Basically, a 1960s network comedy sitcom version of what you'd see in a Breaking Bad episode. As Mr. Howe goes through his pharmaceuticals, he notices the stack of cash and asks, well, how did these get in here? He then pulls them out and hands them to Levy. As he looks through his meds, he says, now let's see, what did I want this for? Oh yes, my arthritis, of course. Levy, my pet, do you remember which one of my shoulders hurt? Do you remember? Mr. Howe begins to lift his arm up and down. Levy says, uh, no, dear, you asked me to get these for Gilligan. <laughs> Mr. Howe says, for Gilligan, he seems much too young for arthritis. Levy says, no, dear. Gilligan came for tranquilizer. (laughs) Mr. Howell says, tranquilizers, of course. He looks into a supply and says, here they are. They would have bitten me. Here you go. Gilligan says, I only need a couple, Mr. Howell. Mr. Howell says, that's perfectly all right. Take the whole lot. Plenty more. (laughs) Gilligan thanks them for the tranquilizers and runs off. He's like, take the whole bottle. Trust me, the plot relies on it. (laughs) <laughs> right. After he leaves, Mr. Howell says, Lovey, that is the younger generation for you. Medication for everything and anything. He looks into his case of narcotics and sees a bottle. He says, What's this? He pulls out a bottle. <laughs> this is funny. He pulls out a bottle and reads, It kills pain fast, fast, fast. Mr. Howell then tosses the bottle over his shoulder and says, Indeed. Nobody rushes a howl. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Howl pets the sweat off his face. Oh, he's sweating again. With a stack of cash, and they both just laugh. So Homeboy has three bottles of tranquilizers, because I paused it. A bottle of gumballs. (laughs) And two stacks of fake money. (laughs) Well... Okay, I mean, you have to, you know, assume, pretend it was real money. Yeah. But it didn't look anything like real money at all. Like, not even no, a little bit. It's not even the same size. Yeah. It's like really tiny um, bills. Well, what the hell did that bottle hit when he threw it up in the air? It sounded like it hit like like a like a wooden floor or something. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, hmm. But yeah. But what, looking into that pillcase, like all the drugs and cash, like what the <laughs> hell was Mr. Howell into? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that was his backup plan if he ever needed pocket money. I don't know. I feel he was definitely into something. I mean, mm-hmm. he was definitely doing illegal shit too back oh, home of for sure. Aside from tax evasion, but I mean, I think there was other things going on. But yeah. Mm. All right. So this is where we take our next break. Ooh. So Gilligan now has some tranquilizers so the skipper can get some sleep. Mm. Will the skipper sleep? Will he repeat his dream so they can figure out how to make the conversion? Will they be rescued in only let's see, episode four? <laughs> uh, will Gilligan also be sponsored by Jello Pudding Pops? Give me an arm rub. <laughs> <laughs> will Mr. Howell have to cook more meth to make it on this island? We'll be back. Hey, 
Hey there, comic book fan. We've got a few questions for you. Were you obsessed with X-Men as a kid? Did you stand in line to get a copy of the death of Superman in the black poly bag? Did you buy every image comic no matter how long it took to hit the shelves? Then have we got the show for you. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is the podcast where Adam and Michael re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine and explore the world of gimmick covers, massive crossover events, and find out if those 20 copies of X-Force number one you stashed in your long box really did put your kids through college. And that's not all. We also bring you exclusive interviews with former Wizard staff members who tell behind-the-scenes stories from the guide to comics that defined a generation. In our special series, The Wizard Files. And wait, there's more! You'll get mini-episodes with 90s comic book reviews and more nostalgic fun. Wizards, the podcast guide to comics is brought to you by the Retro Network every Wednesday. So subscribe today on your favorite podcast app and remember to keep your books bagged and boarded. a good break what did you call that the siberian sap sucker is that what you call that yeah how did you know that well i was just curious <laughs> that was a good guess yeah right i was curious why you called that <laughs> well because well sucking uh, yeah that's true I mean, yeah hello. that's obvious gotcha. yeah, but why siberian like well i mean because well the sap comes from because i have like the branch in here okay 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 and siberian is just because I just needed another S word. Oh, I figured I figured you had said it that way because that was some cold shit to say. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I figured that's where you're going with it, but no. <laughs> so, okay. I'm so confused. I, I thought know. you were describing a dance or something I was doing. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so how are you like in Illinois? Like, what kind of cultural differences are you spotting already? Like, what what kind of fun things can you tell us about that that's maybe happening during the week? Like people saying pop mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> I haven't heard anybody say pop. Um, but, uh, <laughs> as far as like, I mean, neighborhoods are different. Like, well, like houses are differently up North than they are down Florida. When they're older, you know, they're like, yeah, they're older houses. They look like, I don't know, like every house is like two story house pretty much, you know, okay. except obviously not the one I live in, but, um, and basements are a thing here, which yeah. I'm not used to. Yeah, um, surprisingly, awesome. not every place in the United States has basements. We don't have them here in Florida, but there's places up north that don't have them either. So it's not yeah. just a northern thing. There's some northern states that don't have basements. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as like some some things seem a little like behind the times, maybe like a what? little up here. Like what? Well, like I, I applied for a job and like one company it seemed like a major company. Um like I had to go get a paper application and fill it out and bring it back. And I was like, what is this? Like 2002? Like I said, that. I was like, what is this? 2002? And they're like, just fill it out and bring it back here. So, so did she have to make you a copy of it on a ditto machine before you uh, <laughs> fill it out? Was she like, hold she on a second. She handed it to me. Yeah. 
in purple and she spun ink. it and handed it to me and I smelled it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it smells like middle school. Uh, yeah. Yep. You fill it out on the Scantron. Yeah. Uh, Scantron. That's awesome. Um, I do have something interesting that happened to me this week. Uh-oh. So, um, I have an, an old set of washer and dryer uh, that I'm trying to sell. Mm-hmm. So I put them up on uh, Facebook Marketplace, right. and like, so like, I bought these things brand new. They're front loaders on pedestals and everything. They're really nice. I bought them like I don't know, like twelve, thirteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Only used them for a few months, and then they've been in storage ever since. Well, if they're um, twelve or thirteen years old, why are you putting them on a pedestal? <laughs> but anyway. Um, so I assume that I can't, I don't have any way to test them, but I assume they work. I don't know why they wouldn't. Everything looks just totally fine on it. So mm-hmm. I put them up on uh, Facebook marketplace. Um, and then like the next morning I woke up and I had somebody who were asking about it. I'm nice. like, Sweet. like, this is selling pretty quick. <clears throat> and so this woman's like, so what's the condition? I was told the condition. She's like, okay. She's like, where are you located? So I told her like the area of town I'm in, you know, and she's like, oh, Okay. Well, I'm out of town, but my it's for my son, and I can pay you like through um, Zelle. She's like, I can pay you through Zelle. Oh, so they have that. And technology. my sister, cool. I thought you were gonna say like I'm, you know, like you know the what do they call it? <laughs> we have to send like a money order to somebody. Like a money order, yeah. yeah. Self just stamped envelope. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, she's like, I can pay you through Zelle, and then um, my sister will come by and pick him up. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, damn, that was fucking fast. Yeah, right. So I'm like, hell yeah. So she's like, um, well, what's your information for Zelle so I can do the payment now? And then um, I'll give my sister and she'll be by today. And I was like, okay, cool. So I gave her my email address. And um, so um, she messaged back. She's like, hey, I sent it, uh, the payment through Zelle. Um, you should see something in her email. It was through a Zelle business account, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the hell is a Zelle business account? So <laughs> I went in my email, looked at it, and I was like, and there was an email in there that said, Zelle business account to upgrade, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, and it just looked shady. Mm. The email itself looked shady. Right. And I was like, so I quickly did a Google search. I was like, is this a scam? So I just Googled Zelle business account, whatever. Scam question mark, you know, and first thing pops up scam. I was like, okay. So I clicked on it and it explains like how the scam works and what the steps are that the scammers do. And so I'm like, okay. So it's like, and, and then you'll, they'll send you an email. You'll get an email saying that you have to upgrade to the Zelle business account and blah, 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 blah. And the next thing the scammers will do, will um, send you a message now asking you to, um, do a screenshot of the email to send them to the, send it back to them to prove that you received the email. And I'm like, huh. And as soon as I read that, a message goes, Hey, can you send a screenshot back wow. of the email? And I was like, I was like, motherfuckers. And I was like, oh. so I went back in the message and I was like, this is a scam. I'm out. And then I just left and blocked her. And I was like, fucking bitch. So mm. piss me off. So they ain't behind the time so much that they ain't scamming people. Mm-hmm. But at least you didn't fall for it. No, I mean, I should have just looked at her or it probably wasn't even her, but looked at the account, um, like the Facebook profile. Because right. it says like, straight up says like, you know, out of Africa and all this kind of stuff. And oh. 
And then, you know, and then there was another one that hit me up too that said, hey, is this still available? And now I look at everybody's profile. <laughs> and if it says like John Smith in whatever, Ohio, right. and then like, there's only two pictures posted and they're posted today. You know, it's like, no, I'm not fucking. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so now I look at everybody's profiles before I comment. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm. So just put on, just put on the description cash only. That's how you get around that. Mm. If people say, do you mm. take Zelle? Nope. Cash only. Sorry. <laughs> Go to an ATM before you come to my house. Yeah. But anywho, are you ready to continue? Yeah, since that was such a hilarious coming back from break. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when we left off, the skipper is dealing with some PTSD from World War II. Mm-hmm. He has slept walked. Is that how you say it? past tense? Slept walk? Sleepwalked? Sleep well, if you, if tonight I will sleep, last night I slept. So slept walked, I think that's Did right. I don't know. No, no, because. No, it would be sleepwalked. Because you can't have two yeah. past tenses in the same word. True. Anyway, he was sleepwalking and he found a way in his dream how to convert a receiver into a transmitter. Gilligan witnessed this, but doesn't know how he did it. So now, with Mr. Howell's first one's free gimmick of illegal pharmaceutical sales, they have some tranquilizers to help the skipper sleep. Maybe he can repeat the dream and figure out how to make the conversion. Mm. Gilligan will need to wear his sweater for this one. <laughs> and perhaps maybe a pudding pop doll. Oh. Yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> just, sorry, that's just funny. All right, scene 14. Later that night, we finally see Marianne again. <laughs> and she's making dinner. Gilligan runs up and says, hi, Marianne. Hi. No. (laughs) Have you seen the professor? Marianne says, yeah, about this tall, brown hair, wears a white shirt all the time. Yeah, I've seen him. Kind of a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Marianne says, no, but everyone will be showing up for dinner pretty soon. Gilligan asks, is there dinner time already? Marianne says, just about. Why? Gilligan says, well, I borrowed these tranquilizers from Mr. Howell. I'm going to put a couple in the skipper's mango juice. That'll calm him down and get him to sleep. Marion says, what a great idea. Gilligan runs over to a coconut cup filled with mango juice at the end of the table and drops two tranquilizers in it. He walks back over to Marianne and asks, will you give these to Mr. Howell? I got to go get the skipper and hands her the pill bottle of tranquilizers. Marianne takes the pill bottle, thinks for a second, then she runs over and drops a couple of the pills in the skipper's cup as well. Hmm. I assume she didn't know Gilligan already put two pills in, I hope. I don't know. Yeah, you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. The pudding pincher? Mm-hmm. The pudding pincher cannot resist yellow chocolate pudding and he'll pinch your pudding. Is he behind the tree? So we got a pudding pincher on the loose. <laughs> Marianne's a straight up pudding pincher. <laughs> oh, God. 
So, do you think Marianne knew that Gilligan already put two in? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's a good, it may, I, I guess I took it as she was trying to make sure it worked. So she went ahead and like, maybe we should add two more, you know? Maybe. I don't know. Hmm. How did she know that that was Captain Morgan's juice? Like, because there should have been like, what, six of them on the table? I don't know. Maybe he sits in the same seat every day. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Scene 15. As Marianne continues to cook dinner, Ginger walks up humming a random tune. Ginger stops, sniffs, and says, Mmm, what smells so good? <laughs> I just farted. I knew you were going to say Marianne says, Burn swordfish? Ginger says, Burn the other side. I think it might be better. Ginger makes her way around the dinner table and notices the pill bottle of tranquilizers Marianne had left on the table. Marianne awkwardly says, Oh, uh, tranquilizers. Ginger giggles and says, Oh, might be just what he needs. And then Ginger drops two more tranquilizers in the captain's drink. Is he behind the tree? <laughs> Marianne asks, Hey, Ginger, come here a minute, would you? Ginger walks over and Marianne asks, Taste this thin gravy and see what you think. Ginger tastes the gravy and says, Ew. That's it. <laughs> she says, Ew. I think you better burn the fish a little more. Just then, the professor shows up and says, Hiya, girls. Say, have you seen Gilligan? Marianne and Ginger look at each other in confusion, and they both say, Have you seen have Gilligan? You seen Gilligan? <laughs> <laughs> no. Marianne says, Well, he was just looking for you. Anything wrong? The professor says, Oh, no. I just wanted to see if he got the... Uh, Ginger interrupts. Got the what? The professor says, Oh, nothing, nothing. He sniffs in the air and in an attempt to change the subject says, Hey, dinner smells good. <sighs> so my, my note says, wow, she doesn't listen, does she? Not sure what I meant by that, <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't. Um, she sure doesn't, Jimmy. She sure doesn't. And then my next note says, maybe she wants to take advantage of him. <laughs> so I'm assuming I meant that Ginger Ginger didn't listen to Marianne when she said, oh, you know, the tranquilizers or whatever. So maybe she's trying to knock him out so she can take advantage of him. I don't know. Um, mm. But also, what is Marianne doing? Like, she's not on any heating surface. She's just on a piece of wood. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. It's literally a wooden box that she has this, like, pan on. And she's stirring mm -hmm. it as if she's cooking. But it's like, it's just a piece of wood. Like, it's not. I don't know. I didn't notice. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. Want mm -hmm. some mango juice with your tranquilizers? Is <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> behind the tree? <laughs> <laughs> so your theory about Marianne is starting to hold water. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's because she just, you know, Tranked, <laughs> roofied the skipper. Maybe I don't know. She's tr she's acting like a pudding pincher is what she's doing. Yeah, you know when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> <laughs> We're so juvenile, man. This is so dumb. <laughs> Mary ain't nothing but a pudding pincher. <laughs> yeah, you know when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> Where could he be, Jimmy? Give you an arm rub. <laughs> No, I'm like, is he behind the tree? 
so oh stupid. Oh my god, this is so like juvenile. <laughs> oh. oh god. Anyways, <clears throat> scene sixteen. The professor walks over to the table and looks around. He happens upon the same bottle of pills still just sitting on the freaking table. <laughs> he opens them up, looks around, and adds two more tranquilizers to the captain's drink. Is he behind the tree? <sighs> he looks around and puts the cap back onto the bottle. He then tries to hide the pills with bananas. Gilligan now returns with the skipper. The skipper says, Gilligan, I don't have to eat to keep up my strength. I'm just not hungry. Just leave me alone. I doubt that. <laughs> Gilligan insisting, he walks him over to a spot at the table and says, why don't you just sit down and take it easy? The professor helps him sit down in his seat. Gilligan picks up the skipper's coconut cup and says, here, skipper, have some mango juice. The professor adds, yes, it'll make you calm. The skipper argues, I don't want any mango juice. Gilligan mm. says, how about some fish? Fish will make you thirsty. He, <laughs> he yells out, Marianne, how's the fish coming along? Marianne says, uh, uh, just about ready. Gilligan informs the captain, just about a minute. Here, have some mango juice. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> The skipper, once again, losing his temper, repeats, I don't want any mango juice. Please, now just leave me alone. I just want to think. I'm trying to remember. The skipper picks up a banana to eat, you know, because he's hungry apparently now. Mm -hmm. But then notices the bottle of tranquilizers. Hmm. He picks them up and reads the bottle. Everyone watches in horror. Once a connection is made in the skipper's brain, he lights up and he says, hey, tranquilizers. A couple mm -hmm. of these ought to put me to sleep. He opens up the bottle and drops two more into his hand. Gilligan and the professor are trying to stop him as he pops the two in his mouth, picks up the mango juice and toasts. Here's to an early rescue and drinks mm -hmm. all the mango juice. Yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> and, dr <laughs> and drinks all the mango juice to wash down the two additional tranquilizers before anyone can stop him. Sort of. <laughs> After he downs the cup, he takes a deep breath and exhales in relief. So that was 10 tranquilizers in case anyone's counting. It was, yeah, yeah. That's quite the pudding pincher. It is. So I did a little bit of a deep dive, right? Oh, okay. Because I was All curious right. about tranquilizers. Um, All right. No, but my first note says, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is how Captain Morgan dies. Um, <laughs> but back then, tranquilizers went by the name diazepam. Okay. Which is a fancy name for Valium. Mm -hmm. So that's what they mean when they say, quote unquote, tranquilizers. Um, it's also usually prescribed in doses of anywhere between two milligrams and 10 milligrams. And according okay. to the recoveryvillage.com, by itself, Valium has a low threshold for overdose. Um, okay. This is lowered even further for a fatal overdose. It would take mm -hmm. a large amount of the drug to overdose on it alone, let alone succumb to the effects and pass away. Um, I read on another site that about 40 milligrams is what you're allowed to have in a given day. Mm -hmm. So 
if those were two milligram uh, pills, he was still within the daily allowance. If hmm. he um, if he had the ten milligram, then he took a hundred milligrams. He that's two and a half times a daily dose, but that's still not enough <laughs> to to like overdose. So it says, while an overdose can still occur, it's unlikely. And it says, unless, of course, you're mixing it with mango juice, then you're <laughs> then you're just fucked. So, yeah. And oh, it, my God. What a coincidence. Yeah, that's all <laughs> off that website. So. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Scene so on team. The, the mango juice thing's not true, just in case anybody's sitting at home going, <laughs> oh, okay. Know, Shit, I don't want to take mango juice with my Valium. <laughs> I hope nobody ever utters the phrase, you know what I learned on a very Brady podcast? <laughs> <laughs> like they're sitting at their grandmother's house. Wait, that's not mango juice, is it? <laughs> um, but, but according to all the information I looked up, it's very unlikely that the skipper would die from this overdose. If anything, he's just going to sleep for a while and that's it. So oh, That's good. That's but good. please don't go over the daily allowance of Dies of pain. That's our disclosure. Exactly. Yeah. Our disclaimer. Yeah. Just follow what the bottle says. Don't don't try to be like you know <laughs> Captain Morgan. <laughs> Scene seventeen. We quickly catch the skipper passed out of the table. The professor and Gilligan stand around him. Marianne and Ginger sit as Marianne says, "How long do you think we'll have to wait before something happens?" Ginger says, "By the time we start sleepwalking, that lady could go around the world on a raft." Professor and Gilligan just continue to pace as the skipper snores away. Mm. A moment later, the skipper begins to stir. He sits up and mumbles, the vagabond lady. <laughs> Gilligan and the professor run over to him. The skipper now stands up and begins to sleepwalk. He walks away from the table as Gilligan and the professor follow him. Gilligan says, he's headed for the beach. Skipper they're on an island. Any direction he goes is going to be towards the beach. So. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Skipper turns and runs <laughs> into the table and falls. Professor helps him back to his feet. Gilligan says, here, Skipper, put your arms back out like you did before. Come on. Gilligan and the professor try lifting his arms so he holds them stretched out. <laughs> they just fall back down as he lazily wobbles back and forth, staring off into nothing. The skipper begins to walk in every direction. He walks around like a stumbling sailor out of a whorehouse with a weekend pass. William <laughs> and the professor are trying their hardest to keep him standing up and moving. The professor says, it's amazing. I had no idea that four tranquilizers could produce this much of an effect. Ginger yells out, six. Marianne, with a worried look, says, eight. <laughs> Gilligan, while still trying to keep the skipper standing, says, ten. Skipper then falls all the way to the ground, taking Gilligan down with him and landing on his arm, trapping him. Gilligan says, and he's out. <laughs> the Howls now arrive and are dressed for dinner. They see the skipper passed out on the ground on top of Gilligan's arm. Mr. Howl says, Lovey, I told you to hurry and get dressed. Look, we've missed the cocktail hour. <laughs> <laughs> see, Mr. Howl knows what's up with Captain Morgan. Hell yeah. They must have hung out before this. Um, it's funny in a weird sort of way this scene reminded me I was watching uh, this UFC series called um, the Contender Series and there was a, there was a couple of things that happened one was this kid got picked up and slammed and when he did his elbow he tried to brace himself and his elbow bent in the wrong direction 
Yeah. Which was kind of gross. And another one, mm. a guy gets slammed and dislocates his shoulder when he hits the mat. And I'm saying, and that's all I can think about in this was they're lucky Gilgan his arm broke, man. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I know this was all planned and I know that there's probably a stunt coordinator that coordinated this, whatever. But like, if he would have fell on his chest instead of his back, like he could dislocate his elbow. Like, that's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would have uh, Just kind of, I guess my anxiety was high when I watched it. It just kind of made me nervous. So. <laughs> you definitely don't want any kind of medical emergency out there mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. So. No, no. But, yeah. Not at all. My note, originally, my note originally was I'm really surprised he's not dead. But as we have just learned, what I learned on the Very Brady podcast today was <laughs> that uh, 10 tranquilizers won't kill you. Well, the so. reason I looked it up was the word tranquilizer. I'm like, what the? When I think tranquilizer, I think like... Somebody hanging out of the side of a helicopter, like pointing a gun at like a black rhinoceros or so. That's what I think of when I hear tranquilizer. <laughs> I never would have thought of going to Walgreens to pick up my tranquilizers. Like that just sounds weird. Right. Scene hmm. 18. A little bit later, the professor is listening to the radio again. Hmm. Gilligan walks up. Alice McNeil reports on the radio again. I'm happy to report that I'm one, now one hour ahead of schedule. Gilligan, while talking on the radio, says, yeah, go on, go on, what? Alice goes on. (laughs) I'm anxious to talk to anyone out there who's getting my signal. Gilligan says, she's not half as anxious as we are. McNeil goes on. Don't forget, there's nothing but ocean under me. Vagabond lady signing off now. The professor sighs and says, she'll be in range of the island pretty soon. Can we fix the transmitter in time? That's the question. Just then the skipper arrives at their location, sleepwalking with his hands out in front of him. Gilligan sees the skipper and says, and there's the answer. Hi, skipper. They notice that he's sleepwalking. The skipper turns and walks. As he walks, he's about to step onto a cooking fire. Gilligan freaks out, but the professor, like a dick, just tells him to be quiet. (laughs) (laughs) luckily the skipper stops mid-step and turns out of the way of the fire gilligan says i know where he's headed back to the lagoon sorry i just i can't help doing that (laughs) gilligan begins to quietly follow the skipper as he heads towards the lagoon the professor runs up and grabs his arm to stop him gilligan looks down and begins to scream but the professor whispers shh he mustn't be awakened or we won't learn what we want to know. Gilligan points down in a panic and says, but, but, but the professor interrupts and whispers, don't utter a sound. Just relax and just take it, man. No. <laughs> Gilligan finally whispers back. Okay. I won't utter a sound, but my foot's on the fire. Look, Gilligan had stepped into the fire. And the skipper had just missed. He lifts his foot as it smokes from the flames. The professor covers his mouth to cover his scream. <laughs> Professor's done that before. Just you see the way he's he like, shh, it's okay, man. Pretty just, naturally. Shh, just relax. Just relax. Just It's okay, man. Just take it. <laughs> Whoa. I'm pretty sure the professor has safe words. <laughs> Is he behind the tree? <laughs> Gilligan made all the noise before in the first scene. And the skipper didn't wake up. Why are they yep. so nervous about waking him up now? It's probably too quiet now. <laughs> well, now he's finally sleepwalking, so we got to... Yeah, but he was sleepwalking the first one, and he was splashing the water and shit, making all kinds of noise, and That's skipper true. didn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish they weren't a liar. Scene 19. 
The skipper continues to walk toward the lagoon. Gilligan and the professor are right behind him. Gilligan whispers, Come on, professor. He's going right back to the lagoon, just like I told you. Gilligan, while still nursing his burnt foot and not watching where he's going, runs right into a tree and falls backwards into the professor's arms. The professor again covers his mouth to block the scream from the pain of hitting his head. The professor says, Shh. Gilligan hobbles to follow the skipper. And the professor follows Gilligan. Yeah, you know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. <laughs> Did you hear how hollow that tree sounded when his head did it? <laughs> no. It was like, like it was, I don't know. It just sounded like, obviously it was a set piece, but it sounded like a set piece. So unless they're doing some kind of Foley stuff. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> scene 20 at the lagoon the skipper sleepwalks next to the water he stops and drops his arms Gilligan and the professor watch to see what he does next the skipper all of a sudden yells out battle stations you know I scared people into that <laughs> and turns quickly around knocking Gilligan right into the lagoon shocking as the skipper receives orders from his dream, the professor motions to Gilligan that he must remain quiet. Gilligan has a mouthful of seawater and is fighting the urge. The professor reminds him to be quiet. Finally, Gilligan just swallows it and lets out a loud, Bleh. Professor's done that shit before. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yes. He's like, no, nope, can't make any noise. Just, just stop. Just swallow just take it. it. It's just okay, it. man. Just relax. Relax <laughs> and swallow it, man. You got it. You got it. Shh. We're so juvenile. Just swallow it. <laughs> Suddenly, the skipper wakes up. He blinks a few times. Look at the professor and says, "Professor, where are we?" The professor, with an angry look on his face, says, "Still marooned on an island without a transmitter." He folds oh, his arm. Oh, burn. burn. Oh, we, we have that. Oh. We, have, we have a bunch of them. <laughs> um, he folds his arms in anger. Skipper says, oh, Gilligan. Gilligan, still in the lagoon, simply smiles and waves. <laughs> he waves. Uh, man, those are some weak tranquilizers. Holy crap. He just <laughs> took 10 tranquilizers. Yeah. And then... In the act of Gilligan going, woke him up. Well, Ten remember, tranquilizers. <laughs> the skipper's a big guy, and he's probably an alcoholic. So probably- That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Scene 21. A while later, the skipper sits as the professor swings a piece of jewelry in front of him, trying to hypnotize him. The professor says in a calming tone, you're reliving your landing on Guadalcanal. You are aboard your old landing craft, heading toward the beach as the battle rages. Are you calm for this war that's about to happen? <laughs> <laughs> he then signals to Gilligan. Gilligan joins the rest of the castaways and begins to make battle noise sound effects. Just as he's getting into it, the professor cuts him off. Gilligan gives him a look of disappointment. The professor goes on. The sea tosses your boat around like a cork as you plow through the crashing waves towards the distant shoreline. He again points to Gilligan for sound effects. Gilligan makes crashing wave sounds. Mr. Howell says, Lovey, where are my seasick pills? 
Lovey says, I didn't bring them, dear. <laughs> I had no idea we were going out this far. See, I, I thought that was interesting. What? She had no idea they were going out that far. Then how the fuck did they get lost? <laughs> well, I mean, the weather started getting rough and the tiny ship was tossed. So, And they had Marianne on board. <laughs> and Marianne was on board. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <clears throat> All right. Scene 22. The professor looks the skipper over and whispers, I think I've got him hypnotized. Yeah. You know, when you eat yellow chocolate pudding, you have to watch out for the pudding pincher. He's done this before. Hell yeah. He's done this before. <laughs> now, everybody, remember your parts. Ginger, standing in a towel, says, first chance to act since the shipwreck. And what am I playing? Gunner's mate. Ent whistle. Gilligan says, this is a real test for you, Ginger. You don't look a bit like him. Ginger rolls her eyes and says, thanks, Gilligan. Mm. The skipper, now fully hypnotized, says, all right, men, we're heading to the beach. Battle stations. Everybody, sing out when I call your name. I'd like you to answer when your name is called. The answer to that question is ho. Not yes, not right, not here, not sir. Any other unacceptable form of reply except the aforementioned ho. Am I understood? Wachowski. <laughs> Wachowski. That's, a, that's from uh, Biloxi Blues. Sorry. Plus, who's the woman, Kowski? The Queen of England. Boom! The Queen of England! Oh, that is disgusting. That's like making it with your own grandmother. Well, for a whole week. Maybe we stop for tea and <laughs> The professor says, here, Skipper calls out, McCurney. Mr. Howe says, present. Ho, ho. No. Um, here, Skipper calls out, Lefkowitz. Mrs. Howe says, oh, uh. And with a deep voice says, here. <laughs> here. That was pretty funny. <laughs> the Skipper says, what's the matter with your voice? Mrs. Howe says with a deep voice, laryngitis. <laughs> Gilligan, <laughs> Gilligan then calls out, here. Get that joke? He says laryngitis. I didn't. <laughs> he thought laryngitis was somebody's name. So. She's like laryngitis, and he's like here. I thought that was. I didn't funny. get that. I was wondering. Like yeah. I thought maybe he was like trying to cover for her and be like here. You know? <laughs> Skipper calls out Ferguson. Marianne salutes and says here. Skipper calls out and whistle. Ginger says here. Gin- Gilligan says. That was a that was really good, Ginger. You sounded just like him. How does Gilligan know? How's Gilligan know what this guy sounds like? Or looks like. I don't yeah. know. Skipper continues, we're heading in. Harris, keep your head down. Gilligan tells the castaways, Harris is the one with the radio manual. If anything happens to him, somebody grab that book. Skipper goes on. Looks pretty rough up ahead. We're going to have a hot reception when we hit that beach. The professor says, all right, come on, folks. Battle noises. The castaways all make random battle no- noises. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Ginger's in a blanket again. Shot. Wow. Where'd she get a blanket from? From her hut? What do you mean? But I mean, wh- why would they bring blankets on a three-hour tour? Hey, when they boat crash, she was laying in bed on a pillow, That's true. bed, and a blanket. <laughs> yeah, but it still doesn't make sense. But all right. um, he didn't need any noises before. Why does he need them now? I don't know. They're so dumb. Professor's just overdoing it. I guess. Scene 23. 
Yes. Later, after the successful hypnotizing session, the professor, Skipper, and Gilligan all test the radio with a new conversion. Mm-hmm. Skipper yells into receiver, testing, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. The professor listens on the radio and says, nothing. Still doesn't work. Skipper shuts the receiver off and says, are you sure you wrote those instructions down correctly? The professor says, I'm positive. Gilligan asks a not-so-stupid question. Are you sure you dreamed the instructions correctly? (laughs) (laughs) That burn is on tour. Burn! Skipper rolls his eyes and says, well, there's no use fooling around with this anymore. She's probably out of range by now. They all look up into the skies as the professor says, yes, I'm afraid so. Skipper says, Gilligan, you've got sentry duty. I'm going to turn in for a while because, you know, he's had a rough day of trying to sleep all day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even think about that. (laughs) Gilligan says, okay, Skipper. The professor agrees and he and the Skipper exit to their huts. Mm. After their departure, Gilligan sneaks around to the front of the receiver and turns it on. He holds the radio up to his ears and says, testing, one, two, three, four, testing. He hears nothing, so he begins to bang on the top of the receiver. (laughs) He tries again and says, hello, hello, can anyone hear me? Suddenly, Alice McNeil answers and says, nice to talk to you, young man. Gilligan in shock asks, who's that? She says, it's Alice McNeil and the vagabond lady. Gilligan says, my gosh, it's Alice. Please stay where you are. I've got to tell the skipper. Now don't go away, please. Gilligan puts the radio down and runs to get the skipper. Hmm. The skipper comes out and Gilligan drags him back to the radio. Gilligan says, I fixed it. I fixed it. It's working. I just talked to that lady flyer. Skipper says, you what? (laughs) Gilligan says, I just, Jesus Christ. (laughs) No. Gilligan says, honest. I'm not dreaming or anything. I think you better do the talking because I don't want to cause any more trouble. I want everything to work out just right. Skipper says, but how could you (laughs) fix the radio? (laughs) Gilligan says, oh, it was easy. All I did was hit it like this. Gilligan begins to bang on the receiver to show the skipper what he had done. Upon doing this, the radio falls apart and parts fall out of the back of it. Gilligan stands up and looks down at the missing parts. He then says, come to think of it, I guess I dreamed the whole thing. The skipper sarcastically says, of course you did. Uh, just then, they hear a plane flying overhead. And over the radio, they hear Alice say, Nice to talk to you down there, whoever you are. We seem to have been cut off. Meanwhile, happy landing. The skipper and Gilligan just sigh. I, I got so irritated watching this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching it in my head going, will you just shut the fuck up and talk? Like, why are you asking so many questions? Man, Captain Morgan's <laughs> such a fucking idiot. Why are you asking questions right now? No, like, ask questions it. later on. How did you fix it? What did you do? <laughs> you can ask the questions while you're waiting for the rescue boat to come. How about that? <laughs> I will tell you all about it on the ride back to the yeah. States. God. <laughs> God, I got frustrated watching that scene. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter if he wrote them down quickly or not. If he knows how to do it, wouldn't he have just know if it would work or not? I would think so, yeah. Like, if he's, like, an electronics technician, like, he would just know. Yeah, that's true. Like, if I said, hey, Jimmy, can you route your microphone signal to your stereo in your car? Right. Could you do it? Yeah. Because you just know, like, how signal flow works. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, because the only question that would come up is if it's, I mean, there might be some troubleshooting if you're not hearing sound, but you know if it's capable, you know if it's possible. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, so I did a little deep dive myself. So okay. what kind of ranges on that radio? So, well, they have no microphones, so it can't be a whole lot. I'm well, not meaning, microphone. They, uh, they have no antenna. So, well, meaning like the radio from the airplane. So, right. She transmitted all day and night. She constantly moving at a rate, I assume, let's say 120 knots. Okay. An average radio band or quote air band is around 200 miles. So, 120 knots equals about 138 miles per hour. So, if she was traveling 138 miles an hour for 10 hours, she would have traveled a distance of 1,038 miles, which means she would have only been in range for about three hours or so. <laughs> Not all day and night, you know. Hmm. Is my math correct there? Is that sound right? I would say so. Um, the the company I used to work for, Collins, um, yeah. they're the ones that made the radio when Amelia Earhart went missing. And one thing that hmm. they're doing as a company is they're setting it because they know where the antennas were. And how mm. strong the signal was received from each antenna, right? So with that, they can triangulate where her last transmission was roughly. And yeah. judging by the direction, they assume she was gone because they don't really know. And so that's one thing they're trying to do is they're trying to locate, you know, what happened to the plane uh, based on, you know, because and what they're doing is they're, they're replicating because they still keep all the old uh, write-ups and drawings for all their previous products. So mm. they actually built all the equipment that was used when she was flying and they're trying to replicate the same signal strength and then try to, to go from there as to, to where her plane was flying when it was last, mm. you know, heard from kind of thing. It's pretty neat. It's kind of cool. It's cool. All right. Scene 24. A while later, the skipper is fast asleep in his sack mm-hmm. outside the hut. Gilligan notices a fly buzzing around and lands on a nearby log. Although it's not a fly. It's actually, it looks like a wasp or a hornet. Anyways, Mm. Gilligan says to the fly, shh, the skipper is finally asleep. Quiet. The fly continues to buzz. Gilligan picks up um, some sort of hollow root thingy. Shaped kind of like a club, like a big fat club, like a European club. (laughs) Anyway, he picks it up and begins to swing at the fly to kill it. Upon lifting it up, it makes noise. Like there's seeds inside. <laughs> he pops one of the ends off and dumps the noisy seeds out to swing at the fly more quietly. This time the fly buzzes around his head. He hones in on him and takes a shot. The fly continues to buzz around until it flies into the skipper's hut. Mm. Gilligan follows it into the hut and watches it to see when he can take his shot to kill it. He watches it as it flies around in circles above him over and over again until finally Gilligan swings to take a shot and he hits the sleeping skipper right on the head and violently wakes him up. (laughs) The skipper yells out, oh, Gilligan looks down at the skipper who appears to maybe not know what had just happened. (laughs) Gilligan looks down at his weapon and it has a big crack and a hole in it where he struck the skipper. Hmm. What the hell was that thing? I have no clue. Okay. No clue. So did you notice that they reused the shot? Because <laughs> they did. were showing the skipper sleeping, but it was, you see Ginger's <laughs> like shiny boob and her hand like rocking the sack. <laughs> so I found myself thinking like, where did she go? Like, I know. I, thought that too. I was like, why is she back in there again? Does, yeah. Is this something she does every night now for him? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're dating. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my one note says that looks like a wasp. And the other one says, why does he care if he's sleeping now? Like, it's mm-hmm. all done now. Yeah, like, why is he trying sense. to be quiet now? It's daytime. Wake the fuck up. Like, <laughs> was it daytime? <laughs> yeah. Jesus, how much sleep does this guy need? <laughs> exactly. He slept all day the day before. <laughs> God. <sighs> Dick and he's like, well, I'm bushed. I'm going to bed. Guess you got the watch, Gilligan. What well, the I like fuck? the way the way the skip and the professor are like, man, man, we have to try this. We had to been try this radio for, I don't know, three, three minutes. Mm, that worked. I think I'm gonna go back to my hut and go to sleep. Like, really? Two or three minutes? That's it? And Gilligan's like, didn't we say something about a signal fire? Maybe we try that. But no. Guess you don't want to surpri- be saved. I'm surprised he didn't get everybody out to watch him play with this radio. <laughs> no, come on, everybody. You got to watch me try this radio out. Like, All right. <laughs> well, that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Hmm. Neato. So what'd you think of this episode of the Brady Bunch? It, oh, sorry. It kinda <laughs> oh it kinda <laughs> dragged on a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like it wasn't very it wasn't a very interesting story. Yeah. I, I mean, mean you it, you obviously know that it doesn't work because the show wouldn't have had three seasons if it did. Like <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um Yeah, I mean it's kinda like um because they kept trying to get him to sleep, trying to get finally he was asleep yeah. and then when Gilligan falls in the lagoon and wakes him up again, it's like, Jesus Christ, are we fucking <laughs> yeah. going to do this again? Like, right. oh my God. It's like, they didn't yeah. have much storyline. It's like, Hey, we're going to try to get the skipper to sleep. So he sleepwalks. Does he finally yeah. do it? He does. But then he gets woken up again. Like, well then what do they do now? Well, then they try it again to try to get him to sleep. Like, how many times have we got to do this? <laughs> like, I mean, if they didn't have some director direct, directed like a girl, uh, um, I mean, like a <laughs> like a guy, <laughs> stupid guy directors. Yeah, it would have happened. Probably would have been a lot better if a man would have directed. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh, Jesus, <clears throat> baby Jesus. Anyway, I got an email to read, Jimmy. Oh, nice. Let me get my reading glasses on because oh man, let's start calling you Hubble. So this email is from Mindy. We know Mindy. Oh, Mindy. Mm-hmm. She says, hi. Hi. <laughs> Please tell me y'all will be doing the Brady Bunch Variety Hour at some point. Sure. That's it. No. <laughs> she says, I recently watched an episode on YouTube, and it had to be <laughs> the crappiest show I've ever seen, yet I couldn't stop watching it. <laughs> it was so strange and cheesy. Yet so wonderful. <laughs> I know y'all would have fun critiquing Robert Reed's horrible dancing, Flo Hen's overly dramatic singing, <laughs> the <laughs> odd song choices, the bizarre skits, and fake Jan, too. Have you seen an episode? Please check one out. Y'all thank me later. Sorry, she didn't say y'all that time. She said you'll thank me later. I vividly remember watching this little girl with a friend and my dad walking in to see what we were watching. He stood there for about 30 seconds and then proclaimed, this is garbage, (laughs) before he walked back out. (laughs) Another gem, I recall, is is a made-for-TV movie involving the band Kiss and them solving a mystery in an amusement park. It was called Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And it was like a really strange live-action Scooby-Doo movie. I loved it back in 78, but just found the opening credits, and it looks pretty awful. 
But at the time, I was a seven-year-old card-carrying Kiss Army member and felt it was my duty to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) She said duty. (laughs) Um, And then she sent some uh, screenshots from the Variety Hour and stuff like that. (laughs) All right, so thanks for that email, Mindy. Um, I really haven't haven't really watched much of the Variety Hour. I haven't watched it at all, but I feel like I have homework. Like, I feel like like we've been, like, reversed. Like, I feel like... Like somebody's like pulled like the tablecloth out from under our our china, um, and I feel <laughs> it's, like it's we've I feel like we've just been assigned homework. Okay, I feel like somebody's Dutch door does. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we do have a, a Brady Bunch episode we have to do coming up soon. We do, yeah. Not this after, next one, but the one after is going to yeah. be the Brady Bunch. So I think we need to. I, I think I think Mendy just told us what the fuck's up. <laughs> so <laughs> so we're gonna do the variety hour and and mindy just so you know like this isn't this wasn't preconceived like tack didn't message me like two days ago and be like hey we got this email from mindy you know no this was yeah yeah so i think we should do i think we should do the variety show let's do it we're doing <laughs> it you heard it here and now see mindy that's how powerful your words can be see that's why you should email the show boom right there <laughs> yep all right, so look for that after next week's episode. The following week will be a Brady Bunch episode because, as we said before, we're always going to keep this Brady yep. sprinkling in Brady Bunch stuff throughout the series. Go. So, somebody also asked me. Just speaking of Brady, somebody had messaged us on Facebook and asked the question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's obviously the uh, the real Brady Bros, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. which is another podcast. Me and Tech aren't competitive. It's whatever, you know what I mean? Like until they, <laughs> until they get to the point where like they're saying stuff about us, you know, in which case me and tech are going to have to show them what the fuck's up. No, I'm teasing. Oh um, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but they've mm. never reached out to us. We've tried reaching out to them, but I mean, come on, they're way bigger than we are. So, um, mm-hmm. we have no animosity towards them and they don't have any to us, but somebody was inquiring about the real in real Brady bros. Like if that was directed towards us. You know, like no. them saying, where were the real Brady? Now, there's actually another podcast out there, a third podcast called The mm-hmm. Brady Bros. Yeah. And so they were around first. They were around before the real the real Brady Bros were. I'm assuming the Brady, and I can't speak for the Brady Bros, for either podcast, but yeah. I'm assuming that um, the real Brady Bros originally probably wanted the Brady Bros, couldn't get it. So, okay, mm-hmm. well, we're the real Brady Bros, you know? Yeah. And even then, I've seen some of the comments and some of the the Brady Bros stuff, and I feel. And I mean, I'm not speaking for Tack in this, but I feel kind of bad for him because it's like people are saying things like, "Well, oh, you're not the real Brady's. Uh, you shouldn't call yourself <laughs> the Brady Bros." You know what? You guys didn't care until the real Brady Bros came along. So come on, man! Let the guys just do a podcast. It's it's just they're doing it for mm-hmm. free. It's just for fun. Like, so yeah. Anyways, it's not directed towards us in any way. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Well, all right, Mindy, you know what we did here today. We had a good time. Don't be offended. We do love the show, and we're not racist or sexist. I feel like we don't even need to say that anymore because, you know, it's just a bunch of white dudes on the I don't know. I mean, I made a comment about (laughs) that the show would be better if it was a man directing it, but, you know. No, you also said, well, it didn't make it on air, but you also said that if it was, you know, all white people, you said that too. (laughs) Definitely did not say that. Oh my god! No, see, I can make that joke because it is all white people. But you know, um, <laughs> but no, I don't think we say. I mean, on the Brady Brunch, there was a couple of times where we would make jokes like that, but I don't think we ever have on this. So I don't really think. 
I mean, I hope you don't think we're racist or sexist because we've never made that kind of, <laughs> if anything, we're talking about how cool it is that it's a female director. So, um, so yeah. Also, we would personally like to thank our Patreons, our producers from Patreon, like Mindy, because without you, it wouldn't be possible. So we'll go ahead and highlight Mindy this week. Mm-hmm. Mindy, thank you. We appreciate you. But also Jenny and Jim. Didn't, don't think you guys were, were getting out of the spotlight for even a second. We appreciate you guys. You guys are the OPs. And mm-hmm. um, both of you continue to be awesome. So uh, we appreciate you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna hand out, we're going to hand out some homework assignments. We are going to hand out did. some homework assignments. First one is check out the website. It's uh, everybodypodcast.com. Yes. Do a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or CastBox. Tell two friends about the show, and if you don't like the show, go tell your boss. Is he behind the tree? (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. (laughs) Send an email to the show and tell us how you like or dislike the show at a very Brady podcast at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group and join in the conversation and all the fun at a very Brady Facebook group. If you would like to be a producer. If you're like, you know what? Jenny and Jim just sound like cool people. I want to be like them and Mendy. I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. Go on to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a very Brady podcast. It's set up where you get like merchandise every once in a while and stuff. It's really cool. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. 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 Line. Check out our Instagram at a very Brady podcast. Follow us on Facebook and get real time updates. Like if the show is going to be late, like it was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. get updates on that. Indeed, go check out the Retro Network at theretronetwork.com. And we do have a contest coming up soon. So we do, yes. More on that uh, maybe next week. Check out our our shop with our affiliate link, www.averybradypodcast.com slash shop. (laughs) Check out our Public store for merch. Links in the description of this episode. And very last and very not least, watch Gilligan's Island. And I shall tell you. Oh, damn. You're forcing like the skipper. Yeah. So on the next episode, season one, episode five, Wrong Way Feldman, the castaways discover that famed but long lost pilot Wrong Way Feldman and his plane are on the island. Dun, dun, dun. They try to convince him to fly to civilization and rescue them, but he's reluctant to leave the island. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, so are we going to get another castaway in the cast? <laughs> no. Maybe. Is him and Ginger going to have a hot affair? Mm-hmm. And he's going to be like, well, wait, I really love Marianne too. And they're going to start like some kind of cult. Are they all going to worship <laughs> this guy? Could. I'm just saying it could happen. You didn't see it. Yeah. yeah well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as Tag mentioned, don't forget that we do have a contest coming up. So one of you lucky people. Will not have to pay two dollars on Amazon, <laughs> and you won't have to go out to Amazon and, and buy the box set because you will have it compliments of the Retro Network, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, look out for that. We'll discuss it more next week in detail to let you know how you can um, go about trying to get your hands on a box set. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So, unless you have anything else, Dad, that's it. No, in that case, I have been Jimmy. And I've been Tack. And this has been a very pretty podcast. And we will see you on another sunshine day. Keep smoking. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.